Petersfield's Shine Radio. Growing Together with Anne-Marie Powell and Claire Dennis. Hello and thanks for joining us in this month's Growing Together. I'm Claire Venice and I'm with Anne-Marie Powell. Hello! We're going to be talking about June, which I'm really looking forward to because I hope we see some sun. (laughs) It's been ridiculous, hasn't it? It has. I mean, the wettest, it must be the wettest May on record. I don't know if they've actually released any stats saying that, but it it certainly feels like it's been the wettest May on record and the coldest Mm. as well. Doesn't feel like May, does it? No, not at all. I I'm, I always remember May because May is the Chelsea Flower Show usually, but of course it's cancelled for the second year in a row. But I remember May's going back for years and years and years, particularly the last couple of weeks in May. And there's only one year where Chelsea has been cold, but it wasn't cold and wet like it has been in the last 25 years, which I've been going to Chelsea every year. It would have been miserable this year. Then. I'm so glad that we're not building a garden there, you know, now or just finished. It so it would have been impossibly difficult. You'd have got it done. But it's also it's just getting hold of plants. It's impossible to get hold of plants anyway if you're trying to shop for them at the moment. Everybody's out of stock. The market is all over the place for obvious reasons that I shan't depress anybody else with at the moment but it's also everything is so far behind so you couldn't really plan usually you have a backup plan but you'd be on to about your fifth backup plan by now if you were at show so in that regard you'd be doing lots of water features a lot of water features exactly that and there would be sort of a lot of mud installations as you said absolutely that so yeah i hope that june is kind i really do because i do believe it has felt like the longest winter ever hasn't it it has We really need to see some sun. You know, we do for ourselves and our gardens do. Because as you said, things are so far behind. I have so many plants still in small trays, you know, that are growing like crazy because of the rain, but they need to go in the ground. You can't get out there. And I did get out there this weekend, but I got up at six, set my alarm for six on a Saturday, which is unheard of, and got out there just because, like you say, lots of my seedlings are just etiolated and reaching for the light and sort of almost pulling themselves out of the seed trays and I just don't want to pot them on they should just be going into the ground so I did manage to get quite a lot done on Saturday but even the seed trays they're sopping wet in there and there was no need it sped me up actually because it wasn't an awful lot of point in watering them in but then of course when you put your seedlings out if you do manage to do it and um you know, busy schedule, my end, especially everybody wants their gardens designed at the moment. There's a lot to be done and Wisley open soon. But um, yeah, if you do get in the Instagram, then you've got to watch out for the slug army that's just coming out from every single corner at the moment and just wanting to scoff them. So it has felt as a gardener, as a bite really, May, hasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. That's exactly what it is. You, you prepare yourself in well, the, the early months of spring, March, you know, and April particularly, but you don't expect to be still at this stage in May. It's it's. I really crazy. thought I'd be floating around in a pretty dress at mm. some point. <laughs> you know, get my Birkenstocks out, flip-flops, not my big winter coat still, <laughs> and my woolen gloves and a hat at all times. It's freezing! Freezing and windy. Yeah. I, I literally just put up the bean poles in my garden. In between the showers, I went out there and I managed to do it, and I didn't want to do it before because the... 
you know, the winds that we've been having, it would have just knocked them over and damaged the plants. It, it wouldn't have been worth doing. So I've had to hold off on those and they were really root bound as well because they've been in their little tiny trays. So it was good to get those in, but I do yeah. feel there's a rush on now. And I'm hoping, hoping the sun comes out to help everything flourish and feel better in June. Yeah, everything's, I've got courgettes, lots of courgettes and squashes on my deck. And tomatoes, of course, that are still... I have managed to get my tumblers into a pot, but it is a race against time. But everything looks slightly ill and, you know, Mm. it's hungry because I do feed my plants and that's something that we must be doing in June. Well, I was going to ask you, because I've started, but everything is so wet... It's just washing away. Yeah, I was going to say, all the goodness has just been washed away. So you really need to, every week, do you you feed your plants? Yeah, feeding Friday. Oh, okay. (laughs) That's good to remember. Yeah. So every Friday, um, I've got a wormery. So I collect all of the juice, all of the liquid that comes out of it in recycled bottles, you know, so milk bottles. And I've already got through loads of it, actually. Over the winter, we must have collected about 40 or 50. A lot. Oh, wow. It's really worth getting one. It saves you a fortune. And does it keep? I mean, you've obviously kept it over yeah, the winter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. It doesn't go off. It doesn't, doesn't smell. So only when you take the lid off. And the smellier, the better, I believe. Because <laughs> oh, really? it's got the most nutrients in it. So it's not, you know, so it makes you fall over when you open the door. It doesn't pop. Snip. No, the lid no, doesn't no, pop no, as you take it off. No, no, no. <laughs> no, but it's, um, yeah, it's more concentrated. So therefore it means that it's got much more nutrients in, in it. So and do you have to dilute that then? Or can you just yeah, feed direct? Yeah, you dilute it sort of. The recommended rate is about a tenth of the worm juice, as I call it, to nine parts of water. So it's one to ten. But um, depending, because sometimes over the winter, the rain <laughs> has got in. So you can tell, you get used to it, how, how much you need to dilute. So yeah, I do it every single Friday. So I feed and water anything that needs to have extra support. So all of your containers. So I've been feeding all of my tulips because I've lifted all of those now and they're in the shed, just ready for all of the foliage to die back and then be planted back out again come the autumn. Only in the borders, it's potluck chance. And I will be ordering hundreds, thousands probably of more bulbs this autumn to get in the ground. You know, in for a penny, in for a pound, you know me. (laughs) Well, they looked lovely. I saw them in your garden. We're actually recording indoors this month because it's raining and and we can record indoors. But I saw your garden last month and the, the pink of the lovely tulips was the ballerina tulips, I think just look gorgeous that pop so actually I've made a mental note to myself as well plant more tulips lots of lovely bright colourful tulips for next yeah, year yeah and mix them up as well and that's what I need to get right this year in my borders I think I just had too many clumps of one colour so that's what I'm going to do with the the spent tulips is just sort of scatter them through planting them in November to make sure that we miss the viruses the tulip viruses and things but honestly start thinking about that now because it's a really good idea that you've seen where the gaps have been this spring or this kind of winter spring that we've had and so if you start making your lists now and even placing your orders now then they'll just arrive so then it's it saves you a job well it's a good idea actually because usually i forget i also forget where things are once the daffodils have gone back down into the ground i forget where they are but Good to make a mental note or actually just to write it down this time well, just of year to order because them. you won't remember. Oh, yeah, I'll order. Just order them because they're not in stock. So they'll just arrive when they're ready to be sent out. And it just means you've saved a job, but it's fresh in the mind. So yeah. you won't forget because you think, OK, I needed to order this, that or, or the other. So then you've got it done. It's job checked off the list because 
spring is busy as you know you're experiencing a kind of flurry of like oh my goodness how am I going to get this done and of course autumn is exactly the same yeah, so absolutely. it's the busy yeah. times in the garden isn't it so you know and you can do that at night or in the rain is put your order in on a rainy afternoon yeah exactly that <laughs> make your notes for tulips that's a good idea yeah exactly. so you're feeding pretty much everything then in your well garden. not everything no so I put a slow release feed in every spring every autumn so and that's fish blood and bones that's a slow release fertilizer so balanced with nitrogen potassium and phosphorus but then I put a liquid feed on anything that looks like it's slightly yellowing or chlorosis or anything annual because I've got quite a lot of annuals out I honestly I, I don't know <laughs> sometimes I wonder how I manage it so but just the odd pot moment that I've got I just dash out and just do a pot for example it's like a garden centre in my garden at the moment with the amount of seedlings I've got and little plug plants of annual bedding and stuff. So anything in a pot, I feed that on a Friday, feeding Friday. And things like my annual climbers, I feed those and all the roses, I give them a weekly feed. So I do end up doing quite a lot. So you get through feed, you really do. But it makes the world of difference. I remember my granddad, when he had an allotment, he would constantly be, I don't know what he used, Gromor, I think he called it, little tiny white dust that he used to put on the plot. But, you know, he always had really successful plants and veg, you know, on, on his allotment. It was great. But I tend to use either seaweed feed or tomato feed, and you can use those on everything, I think, as well. You so. can, yeah, it's true. Because manufacturers, they want you to have a different bottle of feed for every single plant. But you can just use the standard same thing on lots of things. I mean, when I do, and I will run out of worm juice quite fast, and of course I'm still constantly getting it, but I I like to use an organic vegan plant food, and that is the natural grower. And it's really good because it's vegan, because a lot of things like blood and bone and a lot of fertilisers, they have trace elements of pesticides in them. You know, so you might be feeding them, but you're also feeding them sort of microscopic, it's true, amounts of chemicals that actually you don't want to put on and pesticides. You think about animals eating grass that's been treated or whatever, something that's going around the gardening circles at the moment. Okay, I hadn't, no, well, that was something that I hadn't. It's great, and you can get a gigantic vat of it. It's about 30 quid. It's, It's a huge, great vat. So you think, oh, that's expensive. But it lasts you for a long time, and it's the best, most kind of... It's like oil, almost. It's so thick and sort of unctuous, and, and that lasts for a long time. So I, I like to use it, yeah. Okay, a vegan. that's a good tip. It's not because I'm... Okay. I'm not vegan, but it is just really good stuff. That's really good to know, because yeah. you think you're buying a good quality plant food, and, and it's not. I don't want to use chemicals in the garden no, that I are don't not either. natural. The natural grower, they're great, because they're just... They're a couple of sisters who've set up. So I love the fact that I'm supporting these two women. And it's a byproduct from their sort of silage factory or something. So it's a bit like their worm juice on a gigantic scale. And it's, yeah, it's really gorgeous. Their packaging and everything is wonderful. And they're just trying to do something good. So I like to support them. Sounds like a good idea. Yeah. Yes. Well, talking of pots in your garden... This year, I seem to have, and actually last year as well, I have grown a lot in different pots in my garden, more so than I ever have done before. And not just flowers, but vegetables and all sorts of things. And I think 
for people who don't have large spaces um, or even want to do that much gardening, a pot can be so satisfying, can't it? Mm. Throughout the whole year. Mm. I mean, last year I grew a ridiculous amount of lettuce in pots because we didn't know, did we, if we were going to be able to get to the shops and access them and everything. So I've grown carrots in pots, tomatoes in pots, courgettes in pots. They're, you know, they're fantastic to grow peas, can't you, growing up? In pots. I think you've got your sweet peas in yeah, large yeah, yeah. pots, haven't you, in your back garden? You can grow anything mm. in a pot, anything yeah. at all, providing it's big enough is the thing. And some plants quite like restricted root systems, like agapanthus, for example, that quite likes a smaller pot than you might think. So, but yeah, anything that holds compost, it doesn't even have to be a pot, you know, from the garden centre, it could be anything. So anything that holds compost and it's got a drainage hole in the bottom, it, you can use and grow anything at all in it. And it's great because you can constantly be changing them around. You're creating a mini world of gardening in, in your pot and you can successionally change it. So you can have your bulbs in it and then change that up and, and grow your peas. Or I've planted an aubergine in a pot just to try it out and see what are the most... My aubergines look terrible. Are they outside? <laughs> yeah. So therefore they are for outside growing. Okay. So And for the it's jackpot that I'm growing and it's supposed to be for containers. But I don't think that anybody kind of thought that it would be <laughs> put through all of this wet. So is the thing. So I've taken my chances. I've planted a couple up and just see what happens. I've grown them from seed. So they are going out there, Claire. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. But yeah, and it's nice because you can have a pot wherever. And, you know, on your front doorstep. And once it starts to look a bit tired, just swap it out. Mm. I've got kind of lots of pots so that I just if something's looking a bit tired I'll just whip something out and put it something else new in yeah to refresh the display but yeah I'm going big on pots this year you can change it every year as well you see of course which is nice well I'm considering putting pots at the back of my flower border mm. because it's a funny old spot it's it's in a, a shady area not completely shady but it's I've never been able to grow anything really successfully in, in the very back of the border. I think because it's a wall and it's it's not, a, like I said, it's not a sunny area. There is a bay tree and all sorts of stuff there that's sucking all the moisture and the goodness out of the soil. So maybe that's got something to do with it. But I think you could put pots at the back there with plants that will like that sort of situation in the garden, but hopefully will thrive a bit more actually in a pot with a bit more good compost. It'll give you a bit like of that. height as well. Well, yeah, that's so the, thing. Is the thing. And if you could yeah. use old dustbins or something like that as well, you don't have to go wild with, if it's kind of, if you're going to layer a mm. pot display, if you like, or even just have tall pots at the back, old dustbins, very cheap, actually, from the internet, really big, so you can grow all sorts of things in them, because obviously, you, if you are growing things in a pot, they are completely dependent on you, to water them and to feed them and really look out for them. You will still need to water and all of those things, probably even more than you would if they were in the ground, but it'll give you some height and then you can plant some other plants in front of them to hide the pot. It's a good idea. Something different to try, isn't it, really? I, yeah. I've not succeeded over the last however many years, so I thought, well, let's change it up. You can grow climbers in a big pot as well mm. and leave them there permanently. The other thing you could do is just chop the bottom of the pot. If you've got a, a pot that you can do that with, I know that not everything you can do that, but then your roots can just go down into the soil. So you're just giving them a head start, really. Yeah. And that means you can grow lots of bigger things in there. So, because they're taking their nutrients and their water up from the ground anyway, in the end. And hanging baskets, do you do you do hanging baskets? Not so much. Hanging baskets? I'm not, not so much. I have in the past. That is a time thing because they do, they do dry out really quickly. 
and I always forget about them. But um, I do have some strawberries and some hanging baskets from last year. But I haven't really got anywhere to hang them from the house anymore <laughs> either. So, or well, not where I want them to be. Not so much hanging baskets for me, I have to be honest. Yeah, I, I prefer to, like you said, do strawberries or tomatoes. Actually, I've got mm. some little tumbling toms in hanging baskets with marigolds because they're great companion yeah. plants, aren't they, yeah. as well? So I don't go for massive hanging baskets with lots of flower displays which look beautiful but I just I love having some tomatoes hanging up there <laughs> just walk by and just and, you know grab them. a couple yeah <laughs> sweets I love that yeah no absolutely so, but I suppose if you're short of space it's another sort of handy thing to have isn't it to be able to use yeah but I, I am sort of growing some quite old and unfashionable plants this year because I want to kind of have this railing of this thing maybe it's my age as I'm getting older that I want to kind of rail against a bit of sort of snobbery in plants and kind of experience the gaudiness of my youth okay what so, have you planted so I've got so I've got quite a lot of fuchsias I love fuchsias. So, I remember those as a child. Yeah. Everyone had them. Well, as a garden designer, you're really not supposed to like fuchsias. Are you not? No, no, no. no. You get that? told off by the garden design police. <laughs> so, uh, so no, so I thought, actually, I just want to, I just want to give them a go. So I've got a couple. I've got um, a fuchsia eruption, which is kind of quite a filigree flower that comes up and out and sort of branches and sprawls. So that's an unusual annual. And then I've got Dark Eyes, which is a trailer, which I put with my dahlias in pots because I just think they're so eye-catching. And I I like strong colours in my dahlias. And I just thought it might be quite fun. Yeah. So, you know, nice so it's really kind of quite a shocking colour. But that's what dahlias are all about. And I just wanted, because of course the dahlias will go straight up, and to bridge that gap in between the pots, because my pots are at different heights, I thought that would be quite nice to create a river of tumbling stuff there yeah so i have got those going on petunias i like petunias too <laughs> i've actually got some petunias it's one of the first plants that i actually grew for myself so and i know they're a bit sticky in the flower buds but i have got a few of those things like black magic i'm careful with my color choices i must be honest i've been a bit fussy but um you can get plugs you see tiny little plug plants very cheaply through the post by mail order and if you do go by mail order then of course the options although it has been difficult to get hold of a lot of plants this year but the options are just open up and you're not just stuck with whatever's in the garden centre and sometimes you can get really lucky can't you with the local garden mm. centres but other times you can leave feeling a bit disappointed so yes tiny plugs come in the post and because they're really bedding plants, they're just wonderful, aren't they? They just want to grow. You can barely kill them. <laughs> so, you know, you just pop them into a pot or a hanging basket and off they go. And they're just like complete racemes of fountainous flower, providing yeah, you keep them dead-headed. Them. And they need yes. watering once a week on the Feeding Friday for sure. Okay. Because so. I've always found, again, maybe the amount of rain that we've had right now, they don't like a huge amount of rain rain I've found maybe that's just where I am but I know you, you, there's a fine balance between not letting them dry out and deadheading to keep them going but also to yeah. you do get just about the right amount they of don't water, want to be waterlogged definitely yeah. so you might need to maybe your drainage is not quite right because you do yeah. need to have some gravel and holes for water to come out so you're right it is a fine balance but yeah if you've got your drainage right you can't easily overwater. so but you can easily underwater <laughs> There's this stuff as well called swell gel that you can use, and it's a water retaining granule. So, and um, it swells up, and it and it's very cheap. You get them in little sachets. 
you must put water in them first before you put them into your hanging baskets or your containers. So they do the swelling before you put mix them into your compost and then there's like a volcanic eruption <laughs> as they swell up Brilliant. when you put the water on and push all the compost out. But they will release water as and when the plant needs it. So it means you can get away with not having to water quite so much. So that's quite good. That's good. And just lining everything with plastic is my tip, my top container tip. It was great this spring when we were taking out the tulips because they're like a sleeve in your plant pot. So you, it's just an, a recycled compost bag and you can just get the bag and just pull it out of the pot. So you haven't got all of your plant roots stuck to the side of the pot. So they just come in and out like sleeves. So that's really handy. That's great. Yeah, I line that all of my great. pots like that. Do you? Yeah. That's yeah. a really good tip. Yeah. I mean, you know, sometimes it can be quite hard to get your fingers down mm. the side. But once you have and you've got it, you can just pull them out. Drainage holes on the bottom, stab them with the scissors or your, your secateurs or whatever. And yeah. That's a really good way them. to remove bulbs. Because if mm. you're digging around with a trowel to try and get them out... You know, you're going to cut them, aren't you? Or yeah, you slice them. them. Mm. Yeah, absolutely, and, and they get damaged yeah. pre precisely. Whereas this, you can just lift them out of the compost bag and then just split them up. So it's quite easy. Good tips this month, Anne-Marie. <laughs> I'm pleased. Well, you mentioned at the beginning of the programme, your Wisley Garden, I imagine things have been quite hectic this past month because it's opening later in June, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It has been very hectic as everybody's kind of launching towards the last finishing touches and, and because it's been so wet I mean everything's been delayed a lot at Wisley because of Covid so the whole of the build timeline has been completely backed up and just getting a hold of materials and things has been difficult this past year so what that's meant is is um, there are two gardens there actually and the World Food Garden is the last one that's being built for us and the RHS. And because it's been difficult to construct and get those materials, the build timeline, they're still on site now. So the planting team is literally planting around them. You know, it's going to be teeny tiny diddy in the World Food Garden. The propagation tunnels are completely stacked full. So there will be some stuff that will be a little more advanced, but it's mostly annual crops in a vegetable garden as you know but you're still there's so much to see it's a spectacle i can't wait for people to be able to walk the path are you really pleased with how it's turning out oh my word yeah i've been working on it for five years yeah. it's a really long time so i'm very excited about it opening so the official launch is on the 24th of june that's the world food garden and there's an acre of it and then on the other side of a building which is extraordinary for all of us which is the rhs hilltop which is the center of science and excellence you'll be able to go and view loads of amazingly fascinating displays. There's a cafe, there's a rooftop experience, so you can look over the whole acreages of Wisley. And on the other side from the World Food Garden, there's an acre of wildlife gardens. And that's that was finished, well, there's still a few plants going in. <laughs> But again, everything, the whole build timeline has just extended because of the difficulties and the really challenging experiences that we've all had, all of us have had difficult times in the last year. So, so I'm hoping that people will be forgiving because it's not quite as big as, and as you know, mature as we might quite like it to be and if we'd finished when we, we'd set out to do so. I just can't wait to see people enjoy it. You know, I've been walking it for five years in my mind's eye. And it'd be really nice to see people actually able to greet their friends, see family together and just in some outdoor space that, 
you know, welcoming and special. And hopefully I'll be able to share something of, of what I love with other people to enjoy, which which is a real privilege and an honour. I'm very grateful to the RHS for letting me do it for them. Sounds really inspiring. Very exciting. The World Food Garden, I think, particularly. There are three glass houses, but they're not particularly massive. We haven't gone completely over the top with those. You know, the RHS don't have bottomless pockets. So it's split into three main areas because Wisley was set up as a place to experiment and to inspire gardeners and to all the wonderful magical array of horticulture and how life-changing it is and so it's split broadly into three sections and the first garden is the flower and herb garden so that's lots of edible flowers that you can add to salad which are beautiful as well as productive and there is bound to be plants that you already grow that you can eat that you had no idea about and also herbs it's not a herb garden it's a kind of jamboree of flowering and medicinal scented plants rather than the truly typical vegetable. So and in the middle, there's a second zone and that is good to grow. That's the really easy, well, I'd say it easy. Sometimes gardening, it doesn't come naturally to some people. And like all of us, there's always some plants that you could just can't grow and you've no idea why as far as veg is concerned. So just don't bother. I don't know if I'll bother growing aubergines next year, quite honestly. <laughs> it's a good example. So it's all the kind of champion varieties of peas or beans or cabbages or broad beans or whatever it might be. So that if you do want to step your foot into vegetable growing, that these are the plants that you should grow because you're not going to fail. Nobody wants to start out with something really difficult and fail at the first hurdles. So go around with a notebook or your iPhone these days and just take photos of all the labels. And then the last area, that is the world food maze. And that's a lot of raised beds. And it is a maze, pretty much. So you get lost in a world of edibles. And those are all the things that you can grow in this country. And lots of people already are. So allotmenteers, community gardeners. And we're going to continue to learn from the community engagement that the RHS is doing by bringing allotmenteers into the World Food Garden and asking them, how do you grow this acro or whatever it might be? And also chefs. We've got such a wonderfully diverse, rich population in the UK. And we really want to be able to share experience and learn from each other. So that really is what that zone is about. And there's a couple of outdoor kitchen spaces in there planned for later on in the programme. They won't be there when it opens, but later on they'll be there. Because it is really very much a plot-to-plate experience, we're hoping, that you grow what you eat, no matter what your recipe card might look like. <laughs> That's really great to have that conversation, though, because it's, it sounds like it's not just a garden, here's a garden, look at this. You want to have that dialogue with people who are interested in growing and and to learn from their experiences too. I think that's really exciting. We're always learning. I learn something new every day. It's why I still love it. And as much as I do know is I've forgotten about so I have to relearn it. What I love about my job, it is plants and it is people. And and I want to experience the the knowledge that's locked up in someone that I might not meet because they're gardening in Hampton or something like that, an allotment and and a busy full time. But if they come to Wisley, they might be able to show me some things that I don't know. I just love people who know more than me or know something that I don't know because I find it fascinating with growing particularly. I just want to sponge and soak it all up, you know. So everybody, come and be my sponge. Yeah. I, want, I, want, I want to know the things that I don't know. I want your knowledge and your sharing experience and that's what it's all about really. Hmm. I love the sound of the, the herb garden as well because 
Herbs are fantastic plants, aren't they? I mean, you, you have them obviously to, to cook with, to eat, and they look beautiful in displays as well. I mean, I actually have herbs dotted throughout my garden, not just the little veg patch. I actually have them in the flower borders and things like that because they are gorgeous. Fennel, for example, you know, when it grows up and it has that lovely sort of swishiness about it. I seem to have oregano growing up all <laughs> over the place, Everywhere. but I love it when it goes to flower. It looks beautiful when it goes to flower. And then obviously it throws its seeds everywhere and that's why it is growing everywhere in my garden. Mint, I've got chives. Parsley, again, does the same thing. Flowers and then sells seeds everywhere. Mm. And I love those little happy accidents that happen as a result of it. Sometimes where it's, you know, it might pop up. Oh, I hadn't thought about putting it there. Well, that looks really nice there. Yeah. It? Just say you did it on purpose. Yes. <laughs> Good point. Own it. I will. For no, me. it was me. I, yeah, I'm so clever. <laughs> no, you're right. And I think... The reason why I really wanted to do that there is because people kind of think either I'm a vegetable gardener or I'm a flower gardener, and you can't be both. It's really what people think, I think, a lot of the time. They prefer one to the other. But actually, you can be a bit of everything, can't you? And so it's to encourage people to think, if they don't think that they feel at ease and comfortable with growing vegetables, that they probably are already growing some edibles that they don't know about. It's about edibles, not just vegetables, the, the whole sort of ethos of the garden. We've thought a lot about experimenting with loads of different ways of growing. So there'll be dig and no dig beds. We really care about the soil science. The soil is the engine of any garden. There's lots of adventures in edible climbers as well. So lots of the beds are connected. So there is this leaping kind of energy that goes around the space. And there's some huge arches that are going to be completely covered in passion fruit and hops and all kinds of things. I oh, think I think people awesome. will like it. <laughs> I hope they lovely. do. <laughs> Yeah, I it is vast. I think you'll be surprised when you go there and see how big it is. So it's massive. Brilliant. So yeah, great. I wouldn't have expected anything else, Amory. <laughs> <laughs> I do sometimes bite off more than I can chew. It's true. <laughs> what are you going to do when it's when it's finished? Uh, what What's next? Yeah, what's next? Oh well, we've just. We've, um, we've been awarded a six and a half acre contract of Children's Hospice Garden in Norwich called The Nook. So we're putting in a master plan for that, which we'll be fundraising through through Greenfingers and with The Nook themselves over the next few years. So we're working with Clarins for one of the sections, the Rest and Reflect area. And there's a variety of different wonderful experiences to really empower children there into the pleasures of living life outdoors pleasures that they watch their siblings do day in day out and they just can't do so we're going to make them superheroes so that they're in charge of their own destiny for a bit yeah so that's a really rewarding project i love green fingers i've been a patron for nearly 10 years so very very active patron of them so that's next. But show too, show starts in June. So I'm very excited about that happening. We've got Malvern that's opening. I'm taking the book up there, the, the My Real Garden book. So I'll be on stage with Carol Klein and Joe Swift, my old mate Joe Swift and James, Alexander Sinclair. Then I start judging at Hampton Court and then I'll go up north to the show up there. Yeah, and then on garden selection panels for Chelsea and the like. So Busy few months ahead. I don't stop. I yeah. love it. I, I'm very passionate. I feel very lucky to do what I do. I imagine this summer as well, you know, as long as we're still able to, oh, the joy that we're all going to get 
from being able to go out and see other gardens and go to shows and just be a part of that again. All outdoors, you see, is the thing. A lot of us are feeling very cautious about getting back to real life, having built our own little worlds in our gardens, but it might be the perfect way to just softly and gently step out into nature in a different way and be able to celebrate everything that's kept us going, really, in the last 14 months, I think, going Mm. to show. Looking forward to it. Well, thanks very much, Amory. Great to talk to you again. <laughs> thanks for all your top tips this month. Going to definitely use some of those. My pleasure. I can't <laughs> wait to see you next month. Look forward to it. <laughs> together with Anne-Marie and Claire. New every month and only from Petersfield's Shine Radio. Rise and shine with Petersfield's Shine Radio. Rise and shine. Whatever local information comes in, you'll be the very first to know. You'll feel those ribs expand. Okay, I'm doing it, I'm doing Are it. Are you doing it? Yeah. <laughs> well, welcome back to Rise and Shine. You're with Alan Cox this morning. What could be better? Good morning, it's good to be with you. I'm Harrison RB. It's the brighter way to start your day in the Petersphere. As long as you're breathing, you're <laughs> <really> okay. <laughs> I'm so with you, Vicky. Rise and Shine, weekday mornings from six, with Petersfield's Shine Radio. I think that's lovely. <laughs>